tote. And the tote's really cute. Like Good. you put your beach stuff in it and, you know, that goes. I just put, you know, you put whatever you want in this tote and it's cute and it's a nice, it's a way of making a donation to a good cause. So, yeah, Marianne, I, I have to always break down what Marianne's talking about. because Yeah, because <laughs> the way she's presenting it, I don't really know what she's talking about. <laughs> and then, you know, and then the world uh, again. The New York Times reported that COVID continues to run rampant through much of the world. It's well on its way to becoming an endemic. I didn't know the difference between a pandemic and an endemic, but an endemic is an ever-present threat. In other words, it will never go away. And that's because, like flu, and we had a shot at herd immunity, but the idiots in this country who think they're being poisoned by the vaccine... We're only at about 50% now, and we have to get to 70 or 80%. And now they're saying we have to get to 90% of people. Because of what's going on. I have to congratulate San Francisco because it was uh, Dr. Gottlieb, who used to be the head of the FDA, was saying that they have gotten to 70%. And things are drastically different where COVID is concerned there. Yeah, I know. What the fuck is wrong with people? I wrote my friend a t- in a text and said, congratulations, you know, you guys reached 70%. And he said, yeah, we believe in science here. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, uh, but should, imagine that. By the way, you must certainly know that um, a lot of us have gotten the vaccine and none of us have really had a problem with it. So can you stop already? Just get it. Think about your fellow man. Think about our country. Think about your kids. Quandary here because I have a couple of friends who are, you know, they're telling me they're coming into town. Yeah. And they have not been vaccinated. Well, you know, by the way. Oh, we want to get together. Who the fuck are your friends? Let me vet your friends for you. I have to talk to everyone so I know what's going on in the world. No, I don't have to wait for the New York Times to write about it. I talk to these people. You have the worst friends. Like idiots. Get out of here. My friends are great. Yeah. They, they're not vaccinated. Your friends well, are really great. Well, they're not great. coming near me. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to find you some new friends. How about that? I have plenty of friends who are vaccinated. Bullshit. It's just this group. They're anti-vaxxers. You and, know who her friend uh, is? Who? Ted Nugent. That's who she's talking about, by the way, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. That's her buddy. And I'm like, what What are you talking about? You want to come see me? Get out of here. Why would you be friends with them? They were idiots. Look, this just came up. COVID put shined a light on a lot of things, Howard. Good. Good. I hate your friends. I'm jealous of your friends. I don't like you being friends with anyone. You're my <laughs> friend. That's it. The only I'm your friends friend. I'm seeing are friends who have been vaccinated. By the way, uh, yeah, I was just like, oh, this is sad because I've known them for so long, but I'm not seeing them. We're auditioning new friends for Robin. If you want to be friends Uh, with Robin, uh, write uh, in. I don't need any more friends. (laughs) Yes, you do. (laughs) Only over there. You don't know what's going on. I'm down there in the trenches talking to people. (laughs) You stay in the trenches. I'll stay right where I am. Yeah, by the way, you're, uh, I'll remind you, your anti-vaccination friends hate you. They want you to die. They want you to get together they with wanna them. They want to kill me. Yeah, so th- put, put that in your head. But that's why I'm not seeing them. How Anyone who's anti-vaccination is pro-COVID. They're on the side of COVID. 
That's it. This morning, I saw a woman being interviewed who used to be anti-vax. And they asked her how she became that way. She was pregnant, and she and her husband watched a nine-hour documentary about vaccines with these alleged experts telling them that everything that happens to people is vaccine-related, and they started to believe it. And then she said, and then on Facebook, I found all of his information and evidence and people who believe the same things. And so they said, well, then what changed your mind? She said, I had loving friends who finally convinced me with real scientific information that I could not refute, and I have taken the vaccine. 34% of the country is fully vaccinated. 46% of the country has gotten at least one dose. Okay, Bart, you're on the air in Missouri. Hey, Howard. Hey. Hey. Uh, uh, hey, now. Shit, they never warned me. Hey, now. Hey, Robin. Hey nice now. to meet you. All right, guys. all right. Goodbye, Bart. Yeah, I, hey. I'm going to fucking throw up from your call so far. <laughs> uh, you might want to. Hey, man, I used to be on the very first nuclear missile submarine in the USS Ohio in, uh, in the United States. So uh, oh, oh, I just want to let well, you guys okay. know. I, hey, hey, man. Hey, seriously. Uh, you know what? I, 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 got, I, I got the COVID. I went to Sturgis last year. I thought it was all cool. And, uh, I got back home, and my uh, stepfather has uh, leukemia and stuff. So I went ahead, and I because of you guys, I got I got the shot. You know what? I got both of them. And you know Good. what? I I don't know what you know what I, I I have a I have a patch that says I wasn't a pussy. I rode the Sturgis twenty twenty, and I would love to have a patch that says I wasn't a pussy. I got the shot twenty twenty one. I mean, it's like you guys. Well, anyone, you're right, Bart. You anyone who doesn't get the shot in this country should have a big X on their head, so we can stay away no, from. No, no, I, I I got it because I, I got it because of you. You guys made a lot of sense, and I mean, I've been listening to you since Man Queer and shit back in the days. I used to live in Chicago, and uh, long story. But, uh, all right, Bart. Thank you. Thank you. All right. And, you know, Sturgis was one of those bike rallies. Yes, I know. In one of those it was, Dakotas. It was hard <laughs> to get a uh, word in with my man on the phone there. Yeah. But what he's saying is he got the vaccine. Good. Yes, Val. Val. This is Val in New York. Hey, guys. How with Fred? Queen? Good morning. Great call, by the way. Hey, now. Hey, now. Hey, now. Can you hear me? Yes, Val. Hey, now. Oh, I'm sorry. Hey, now. Yeah, um, yeah, this shit's real. I just got back from the hospital uh, two and a half weeks ago. You had and, it? Uh, I, I had that horrid, yes, I had it. I had it for a couple of days. I was laying on my back at home, comatose, not even thinking what it was. And uh, when I realized Easter morning, I told my wife, listen, we got to go. And she brought me into the hospital Easter morning. I was there for two weeks. A week after I came in, she came in. Wow. She didn't make it home. She didn't make it home. Oh. Your wife died. I came home alone. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She passed uh, the 17th. Um, How old a yeah. woman? So uh, she just turned 54. Oh. 
She, t- she turned 54 in January and, and 50. I was 55 in February. And uh, listen, we took all the precautions. I wasn't anti-vaccine uh, or, or this shit ain't real. I'm not that. You know, we protected ourselves. Were we going out? Yeah. Maybe too much. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, you everything I heard. Was what else. about the masks? Every time, everywhere. Really? Every time, everywhere. And that's what the scary thing is. How this little speck of something found its way into me. Even protected. Where? Doctor are you, said, don't uh, even I don't mean to be disrespectful, but are you dating again, or are you going to wait a little <laughs> while? <laughs> How well, t- listen, that story about your wife in a picture I haven't seen yet. I might want to look at that. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Val. <laughs> the terrible story. His wife uh, died from uh, COVID. Oh. I see Robin's friends are calling in. <laughs> All right. I'm not even going to get into it. <laughs> It's basically the Wendy voice going, are you Robin's friend? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's so you, how I look at them now. Are you going to get vaccinated? No. <laughs> I remember this chick. This guy lived near her. He passed her number to like a couple of us, like his good friends. Her name was Connie. And we called her Handjob Connie. Handjob Connie. She loved jerking guys off. Handjob Connie. You would call her up. Hello? Hey, Connie. It's it's Ronnie. Hi, Ronnie. You remember me? I got your number from so-and-so. And remember we met like two weeks ago? Absolutely, I do. She would say, okay, meet me at uh, 3 o'clock at the corner of this street. And she would be there. You know, you would think it was bullshit. You, Ronnie. It's me, Connie. Told you I'd be here. She would get in the car. Handjob Connie. She would not talk to you, you know, and you would drive around the corner or something to a quiet spot. Daylight, everything. Who gave a fuck? We didn't care. And we called her Handjob Connie. <laughs> Handjob Connie. Handjob Connie. You couldn't touch her. Just take your dick out. You take out your dick. Handjob Connie. She'd jerk you off, stare right in your face. <laughs> Never talked, really. You come in a fucking hand. Oh, yeah. She, oh. she carried her own tissues. You come in a hand. She'd clean her hands up and and then she'd get out of the car and walk away. It'd be basically hello and goodbye. Hand job Connie. Hand job Connie. <laughs> hand job Connie. Check this I'm out. I'm wondering if hand job Connie got a vaccine, you know, because you don't want to miss her. Fine. <laughs> hand, hand job Connie's probably about 73 years old now. By the way, you're listening to uh, Sammy Hagar and The Circle doing a whole lot of love. I love that band. I think I think they're great. Um, I was listening to Leslie West. I, I have a whole list of songs I listen to when I want to make myself sad, which is always. Oh, you like to make yourself sad. There wasn't anything special about this time. Well, Beth walked into my office and she goes, you're practically in tears. What's going on? I said, I'm playing my sad music. And she goes, well, stop it. Put on something pleasant. I go, I, I don't want to hear anything pleasant. I like music makes me feel. Uh, you can't feel happy. Happy is a feeling. I know. <laughs> I've heard about that. <laughs> Leslie West uh, died a couple of months ago. And I was listening to it just, you know, randomly came on. I was listening to his music and I went, oh, my God, all that talent is gone. 
I was so amazing. Then I was like pissed at myself. I should have probably called Leslie a couple more times. We emailed each other, but I don't know. I just felt sad. And then, and then I was listening to uh, you know that song um, Three Strange Days" by School of Fish. That came on. That totally destroyed me. Like I don't know. It gets me cuckoo. I don't even know what it's about, and it gets me cuckoo. I got, I started to, all of a sudden, it got me thinking about my early days in radio, and I started to get all freaked out. Like, what if this had happened, and what if that had happened, and I didn't do this, and I didn't do that? I, I, I'd be fucked. I'd probably be working some shit job right now. Oh, I, I started to go through what if. What if I had made this mistake or that mistake or this guy had made me so miserable that I got out of radio? I don't know. I just got all freaked out. This well, song it triggered me. interesting to me that somehow we kept going. Even I mean, I was suicidal at some point. <laughs> we still went to work every day. Actually, this was the stuff I was bumming out was about before I even met you. Like when yeah, I was on but my, uh, yeah, oh. I didn't have a bad time until I met you. But yeah, yeah you were having <laughs> bad you. times. Before <laughs> That's <me>. good. <laughs> so here was the thing. I was in college and I got a job. I've told this before, but this is what was freaking me out when I was listening to this song. I was in college my senior year. And I walked into one of the coolest radio stations there ever was. It's called WNTN in Newton, Massachusetts. It was a daytime radio station. What that means is they're on from sunrise and they turn off at sunset. I won't go into why that is, but there are a couple of radio stations in the country who can only broadcast from sunrise to sunset. The re okay. The reason is that there are bigger signals from bigger cities that are allowed to come in at night so that, like, people could hear them. So it was this whole complicated mess. But this station turned into one of the coolest stations you'd ever hear. It was progressive rock. The DJs could play whatever they wanted. And I walked in one day, and the general manager was some kid from my college who had graduated the previous year. I kind of knew him. I, I recognized him. I think his last name was Wolf. And this is what I was obsessing on on the weekend. Like, what was that guy's name? He was another college student, but he was the general manager of WNTN in Newton. The station was kind of falling apart. It wasn't making money at that point. It had its heyday. And now it was an AM radio station playing progressive rock. And now all the big FM signals like WBCN in Boston and WCOZ. There was no longer a need for a daytime you know, progressive rock radio station. They were on their last legs, and I guess they hired this guy, Wolf, to be the general manager, if you will. The owner probably didn't want to spend a lot of money, so he hired a, a guy who just got out of college. And I walked in, and I gave the guy my tape. And he listened to it. And he said, it sounds pretty good. Okay, I'll put you on. He gave me a job and told me my salary. And I, I was, I was like, what? <laughs> I'm going to make money in radio. I'm going to be an announcer. Called my father. I said, Dad, I, I got to get a car. You got to help me out. Would you buy me a car so I can get to work? I've got a job. And he was like, oh, you got a job in radio? I'll get you a car. My dad got me a car, a Dodge Polaris. 
a, a fucking secondhand Dodge Polaris that looked like a tank. Yeah, it was like a boat. <laughs> it was a boat. It was literally a boat. My friends called it you the Big Beauty. You could have gone to sea in it. <laughs> yeah. They go, where's the Big Beauty? So I get this car real quick. My father hustles up the money. My father didn't have a lot of money. And, like, he gets me this. He buys it used. I get the car. I'm a nervous wreck. I get this job. And the, I guess my tape sounded good because what I do is if I ever by accident sounded good one day, I would tape it and then I'd edit it up. And, you know, my tape was good. Well, I get on the air the first day. I'm on doing afternoon drive. Pretty big time slot. They, they put me in a studio with records. I'm shaking like a leaf. Like I couldn't believe this. I'm going to be on the radio. At WNTN, one of the coolest radio stations. And I'm like. I don't know. I went in and it was a disaster. It was so bad. I'm, when I say bad, I could barely get out a word. When I read, like, you had to read public service announcements. I couldn't even read. I was like, <laughs> I was so nervous. <laughs> so uh, I go on. They let me back the next day. I do another one and another show. I mean, one day was worse. I didn't even get better within the two weeks. At the end of the two weeks, the guy looks at me and he says, uh, you're fired. You're terrible. The same young guy. Yeah. Wolf. Whatever his name was. Wolf. I forget the first name. And he says to me, you're, you're terrible. I go, uh, uh, I, and I, I couldn't argue with him. I was terrible. <laughs> He goes, it's horrible. You, you know, I even I'd even like, you know, you had to play records and segue. I couldn't even get one record on to segue with another one. Like <laughs> I would, there would be dead air space. It was just it was like a, it was like amateur hour. Yeah, it was so I can't as bad as you might be imagining as it was. It was worse. That's how bad it was. It was the worst radio show you could hear in the country. <laughs> That's a distinction. <laughs> yeah, it was probably the worst. And I'm sure all the other DJs who were working there, who had been experienced, some of them had even been in Boston radio, but they were down on their luck. Working with me must have been demeaning to them. You know, like, uh, one guy said to me, why didn't you tell us you were a slow adult? This is rather novel, you know. <laughs> well, the guy says, you were so bad. I said, yeah. He says, and by the way, I'm not going to pay you a dime. I go, what do you mean? He goes, you were so bad. I'm not, I'm not going to pay you because I know you're, see, he even said something like, what are you going to do about it? I mean, you shouldn't be paid for this. <laughs> he said that to me. <laughs> and so over the weekend, they started, you know, I started to have a panic attack. And what brought this on was, again, this Ted Utz gets a hold of me and he says, hey, by the way, anyone who worked at WRNW in the, in, you know, when it was a progressive rock radio station, which I worked at, he said, they had, we now have a group of people who write on the internet and we write back and forth uh, to each other. Okay. It's a group. So I went on there and I started to get the shakes because I started to think about WRNW, how bad I was there and how, why didn't they fire me then? And, 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 and I started to think about this guy at WNTN saying to me, you're so bad, I'm not going to pay you because no one would even, you don't deserve to be paid. That's how bad you were. I did you a favor putting you on and you fucked up my radio station. And I, and I started to panic and I went, what if I had really kind of, I was so dopey. I didn't even take that to heart. And then I had to tell my father I got the car, but 
Now I was now at I him. Have a job. I, yeah, but I but I said to him, I'm going to use the car to go find another radio job. And then I went out and found another radio job. I actually got hired at WRNW in Westchester by some miracle because I had a short haircut and the guy said I looked responsible even though my tape was horrible. And I turned down the job. Think about how dumb I was. I turned down the job because I was nervous. I said I suck. And 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 thank God I went back and I a couple of months later and said Give me another shot. I, you I'm mean you, I you left for a couple of months before going back? Yeah, I I was not. I never took the job. I turned it down. Wow. I was going to do nights. I was going to. I was hired to do nights at WRNW till eleven o'clock at night, like six to eleven or something, something like that, something crazy, seven to eleven. And they hired you when you came. I went back, back to them. I w- I went back to the guy. I said I made a terrible mistake not accepting this job. Would you consider me again? And I got part-time work, and then I worked into full-time. Oh, okay. But look at all the mistakes I made. What if I hadn't, what if I had lost faith in myself? What if I had let all the negativity in my brain get to me? That spirit that kept me going, I, I don't know where it came from, but I was like, thank God. And I started to panic, and I started thinking about WRNW, and I don't want to think about WRNW, and I don't want to think about WNTN and Newton. It's not pleasant for me. It was hard. Why didn't you turn off the music and put on something else? I couldn't. <laughs> I, I I didn't. And then oh, I got into a turn. And I went on this WRNW. I mean, what do I want to talk about WRNW? I've had tremendous career success. Yes. What am why I are thinking you about still it? back there? Why am I torturing myself? And, and my wife you said, understand you it's you torturing you. It's not oh, it's somebody horrible. else now. And then I see some of these people that I hired. Well, you know, I became the program director at WRNW, and a couple of them on there are talking about how great it was. I was the program director, and, and I hired them. And then one guy, I see, I'm reading uh, this kid uh, I hired. Curtis K was his name on the air. I don't know what his real name was. It was Curtis K, he called himself. I hired him. <laughs> he gave him his first job. And he says, uh, oh, sorry to announce, Curtis has died. He's now dead. <gasps> Oh, geez. And I, I, I was like, oh, this is horrible. Yeah, you're having a terrible day. Yeah, and I remember him. I remember hiring him. He was like a, a, a kind of a shortish, pudgy guy. He had a nice, beautiful voice. I put him on in the morning or something. I don't even know what I did. I was the worst program director, too. I couldn't give two fucks <laughs> about it. Not only were you bad on the air. <laughs> I needed, not only was I bad on the air, I needed the money because they paid you 250 <laughs> Instead of $96 a week, they paid you $250 a week if you're the program director. So I'll be, I'll be a program director. I didn't know what I was doing. It was horrible. I had to hire people to be announcers. I don't think I picked anybody. I, there was a bunch of people I hired. I don't think any of them went on to any kind of success. <laughs> I mean, maybe they, I don't even spotter. know. <laughs> I, oh, I was the worst talent spotter. <laughs> this, um, the guy who hired me was fabulous. Guy's name was Donald J. Barnett. He hired me. He hired Meg Griffin, who went on to tremendous radio. Wow. Stuff. Even someone said this guy knew how to pick talent. He hired a guy named Bob Maroney, who went on to big announcing success. Um, uh, I could name 20 guys, all of them. He had an ear. This guy had an ear. Everyone he hired went on to big success. Me, I don't <laughs> think anybody went on to any success. I think they're all out of radio. Anyone, because I would hire people. If somebody walked in, I'd just be like, will you show up every day? 
<laughs> please, and just make my life easy. I didn't care how they sounded. I didn't care how the radio station sounded. Oh I didn't give two God. fine fucks as long as you just would do it. And just don't get into trouble. Uh, it was such a horrible job, program director. Don't ever become a program director. By the way, the industry has no respect for them. There was a guy, the guy at KROQ, I always forget his name in Los Angeles, the program director. It's one of the most financially successful radio stations. It had huge ratings. What was that motherfucker's name? He's such Kevin, a great Kevin guy. Kevin Weatherly? Yeah, Kevin Weatherly. Thank you, guy. Kevin Weatherly. What a great guy. Brilliant programmer. They what treated they him. Kevin? They treated him like shit when he was part of the company with Viacom when we worked for Viacom. They treat him horribly, like he want to leave. Really? No, like, like they never treated him well. Who could make a radio station in Los Angeles number one like he did or whatever they were? I mean, think about it. It's a dopey radio station. You got to pick music that other people want to hear. What a dumb job. I even said to myself, they gave me this job. I don't know what anybody wants to hear. <laughs> well, how would I know what somebody wants to hear? What do I know? I, I, I just graduated Boston University. <laughs> what do I know about what some douchebag wants to hear on the radio? So what I would do is uh, open up the trade papers and see what people were listening to. And I'd put it on the radio station. The owner came to me. He said, you'll be the program director. I said, oh, really? Okay. He says, and, and just play play mellow music. He said, I want a mellow rock format. I don't like all this hippie shit for progressive rock. I said, okay. That sounded easy. And he's a mellow song I'll put on. <laughs> oh. Oh. What a well, what nightmare. What kept you going? You don't know what it was. Stupidity. Oh, stop it. I had nothing else going on. And then this lovely guy in uh, Hartford, Bill Nozzle. I was two years at this WRNW, Westchester 107, music from the woods. <laughs> I mean, thank God for it. Nobody would have hired me but this radio station. I told you that. that, people, that, my, that my fellow uh, disc jockeys wanted to unionize. I said, please don't. <laughs> if they pay us more than $4 an hour, I, they're going to fire me. <laughs> You'll get good people here. We, we're lucky there's no union. We're lucky they don't pay us. If they start paying people, we're the first ones to go. <laughs> you dummies. If they had money to pay people, they wouldn't hire idiots like me. Yeah, there's a little thing called a business model you have to take yeah. into consideration. Oh, you should have seen these guys. None, none of them, you know, they were all daydreaming. We got to get money. <laughs> I go, you got to get money. They start, if they give $10, $15 an hour, all these guys from New York are going to come down. But how are they going to get that money? Because they would have no get money. for a spot. $2? Spot, $3. $3 for a minute commercial. Where are they <laughs> going to get this money? You gonna $10 an hour. I said, you guys, we're going to bankrupt this radio station and they're going <laughs> to fire us. I'm no Norma Ray. I'm just going to fucking stay here and fucking relax. This is a training ground. This ain't a per if, th if you're looking at this place as your permanent job, we're fucked. <laughs> we got to get out. I knew that. Yeah. After two years, I, I, I applied to a st radio station in Hartford. A, a lovely guy named Bill Nozzle hired me. God bless Bill Nozzle wherever you are. I love you. He heard my audition. He told me no way he'd hire me. 
And I left there dejected. And I said, I wrote him. I said, can you give me a second chance? And he gave me a second chance. He said, you know, you, 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 you did better. I'm going to hire you. You're the morning man. Wow. 250 bucks a week just to be on the radio six days a week. And you didn't yeah. have to pick the music. No. He, well, yeah, no. He Bill picked the music. <laughs> and I was so grateful for that. I don't want to pick the music. Fred, did we pick the music at, at WCC? It was like a card file or something like Cards, that yeah, that yeah, you, yeah. You, you picked. So yeah. it was kind of like an Abrams, quasi-Abrams yes. format. Thank you, Fred. That's Fred who has an iron, iron, uh, iron memory. So I got hired. Thank God. Thank you, Bill Nozzle. Love that guy. Gave me a shot, but I, I started to shake. Uh, what, what, what if I, what if I didn't get that job? You know, it, it's, it, it was all such a nutty career. It was all so horrible. It was all so, so I, I used to, no wonder I started to develop OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder, where I would think magical thoughts and that would keep me on the radio. And it must have worked because I was so talentless and so nervous on the air that I couldn't get it together. But I think by doing these rituals, uh, something something magical happened. Now, did but, you ever have a chance to practice putting records on and, you know, <laughs> like in an unprofessional situation, like at school or anything? So yeah. when you got to that station. This was like. Oh, I was at the, the college radio college radio station. I practiced every day. I had a radio show every day. Oh, you did? Yeah, I was still bad at it <laughs> because my hands would shake. I was so nervous. Oh, dear. Yeah. Horrible. I was filled with angst. So I'm, I'm I, you know, I don't like to think about the early days. By the way, do you remember? I'm, I'm going to change the topic because I'm getting sick. Um. <laughs> Do you remember the other day I was talking about Donnie V of Enough's Enough? Yes. And I said that Donnie was a great talent. He was the lead singer, and I always thought they were going to be a big group. And I said, nobody sings John Lennon better than Donnie. Well, Donnie was appreciative, and he said, Howard, I mean, he sent me this. Here he is doing instant karma. Donnie, Donnie V and the Lumberjack. He's still singing. Okay. He's still singing. Donnie still sings. This is Donnie V and the Love Brigade. And I, I, he sent me instant karma. And it's true. Listen to him singing John Lennon. I think the guy's terrific. Got a great voice. That's good, isn't it? Donnie told me he released that with a video last year, as a matter of fact, in support uh -huh. of an anti-bullying campaign. It was a whole uh, thing he was involved with. But uh, it was good to hear from him. He's doing well, I guess. And, and Why uh, that would was it. he go on one of those shows like The Voice or <laughs> oh, come American on. Idol? Donnie? No, I'm telling you, all he needs is exposure. Because it would be demeaning to him. In other words, this guy... You know, he had a record contract. Enough is enough. Had you know, they had a hit record on MTV. It, it would be demeaning. It, it would be insulting. 
That's why. It would be. It, it, would, it, it might would. create a career. Well, Donnie should be the judge, not the fucking guy auditioning <laughs> for those humps. Are you crazy? <laughs> Donnie on the voice. I get so sick Donnie's of got more people talent. who can't sing, they can sing. Donnie's got more talent than any of those people on The Voice, and he's going to audition right. for them? That's right. Uh, That's what I'm saying, that he can get the you're exposure. Saying, no, what you're saying is Donnie should humiliate himself and go on The no, Voice. No, uh, nothing is humiliating except what you say in your head, just like you just said. Get over here, Robin, right now. <laughs> get out Time there your... <laughs> and get the audience you want. You come I here. don't care, by hook or by crook. Donnie, don't listen to her. Don't go on the board. Do you realize, remember when we were interviewing Kelly Clarkson? Kelly right. Clarkson had had and lost a record contract. Yeah, but she was she like 19. On. It doesn't matter. You're bullying Don. It's, it's, oh, Stop it. there's also America's Got Talent. You go oh, in Lydia. My, oh, my God. <laughs> what, and, and sit there and humiliate yourself in front and of one. No offense to Howie and Hyde. <laughs> elephant. I mean, yeah, 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 Donnie. Go sing uh, "Instant Karma" and then uh, have and then first make sure they clean the elephant shit off the stage from the magician who made the elephant disappear. <laughs> you know, no, Donnie doesn't need that. Donnie, imagine <laughs> Heidi Klum judging a fucking Donnie. And you're very, very handsome, very good, but uh, you don't, you're too old to be, and uh, too old. I, I didn't like that song. Your song choice was not good. <laughs> <laughs> you should sing, oh, ring, ring the bell, ring the bell. <laughs> oh, thank you for your, thank you for your comments, uh, Heidi. <laughs> How will you go? Don't do any original songs, Donnie. You know. And Simon will scowl at him. Oh, I don't think that song was very good. Fuck you. You <laughs> fuck. Simon Cowell. Talentless prick. And then they're hitting the golden buzzer for the dog act. You know. <laughs> on, on, on dog act. Golden buzzer. <laughs> my kids would love these. Everything my kids wouldn't, about her kids. My kids wouldn't love instant karma so much. <laughs> <laughs> they don't know that. Yeah. So I'm going to be like, um, the Beatles are boring. Why are you singing that? <laughs> Shut up. Oh, let me play you this before uh, I talk with Seth. So here, uh, here's a phony phone call. I love phony phone calls. The other day, Robin and I were talking. I started uh, saying, I, I, I pretended to be Colton from yeah. The Bachelor who came out as gay. So the guys called a religious show. And they chopped up my voice as Colton, you know, and uh, they used it on the religious show. This is me calling a religious show saying that the COVID, uh, the, I got COVID and it made me gay. Ah. Uh. And I told this to the religious show. And this show, I don't know. I, you know what I think? These internet radio shows never get a phone call. So no matter what it is, they stay with it. <laughs> COVID made me gay. <laughs> In Jesus' name. Ah, uh, yeah. Good morning to you, area code 111. God bless you this morning. How are you? Hi, uh, good morning and God bless. What you want to pray about, sir? Well, my dad, Howard, he's here with me. Hi. Yeah. And I know this is going to sound crazy, but 
He had COVID and now he's gay. Oh, see! COVID made me gay. Man, man, man. like a homosexual. You've heard of that being one of the side effects, right? Yeah, yeah. That's right. I ate a gay bat. All right, Howard. Bless okay, you. Okay, Howard, we're going to pray for you. I'm telling you, I got COVID and suddenly I wanted to fuck guys. Shut up. My goodness. You know, they say with COVID, you lose your sense of smell and taste. Let's go ahead and pray for him because I know he's getting ready to say something that's out of the way, okay? I lost my sense of smell and taste for pussy. Shut up, shut up, shut up, thank shut up. God, Jesus, this morning, we thank God for Howard being bold enough to call in. I think I'm into share and assless chaps. Shut up. And we know that Howard belongs to God. He don't belong to us. God, please, he make me straight, God. make me straight. And God love him like he love us. Please, stop me from thinking about deep-throating a tasty cock. Shut I, up, I, I, shut I, up. Jesus. He's a homosexual. Ooh, he has tell you about all the different things that he do with his mouth. Side effects from the virus, God, she's sick. Please make the women that I meet have a penis. Ooh, no, I ain't gonna get a devil no chance. No chance. One day. I forgot to wear my mask. Shut the next up. day I'm jerking off to the New England Patriots. Ah, yes, shot. Hey, God. Thank you, Jesus. That's speaking in tongues, too. It's working. Thank you, Jesus. Baruch Hu Hey, Yasha. Hey, God. That Emily Ratajkowski is just fucking hot. Did you hear that? Dad is straight again. I want to see her naked. Hallelujah. Thank God. Thank God. I am so not homosexual. Hallelujah. Jesus. Wow, I'm really Thank charged you. up about Thank women. Ah. Oh, we're crying here, too. Hey, Lord, do it, God. <laughs> hey, do it for your people. Hey, Lord Jesus. Hey, God. Hey, Lord Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus. Thank you, God. Yeah, they, you heard them. <laughs> what are you talking about? Of course. That show gets results. Do you see how quickly oh, they cured me? They cured you right away. Where's yeah. Colton? Oh, Maybe the real Colton should call. <laughs> I lost my taste for pussy. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, by the way, so many of you have written us about uh, various things that went on last week on the show. And uh, I should share a few of those things. First of all, George Takei and Brad and Fun uh, George were on the show. If you remember, George and Brad were amazing on the show. They're funny, intelligent, open, warm, incredible. I love them both so much. I absolutely love George and Brad. Special thanks to Brad for playing along. So much fun having him be a part of the shenanigans. They are a delightful couple. George and Brad, or as this one says, George and Bradder. Oh, Bradder, <laughs> were amazing as usual. It was an absolute joy to hear them both happy and healthy. George is 84 and still does 100 push-ups a day. That's impressive. Um, I'm rubbing myself. Anyway, people love George. You know that, Robin. I don't That's know right. It's wonderful that he gets such a great reaction. 
During the interview, George revealed he's now a distinguished gentleman after refusing to record a song parody for us. The fans were a little upset with George because they love when he sings. <laughs> I was so let down when George revealed he was retiring from singing outrageous songs for the Stern Show. That's like Michael Jordan quitting basketball. This is where George shines. Uh, Howard George has such a rich history recording classic song parodies on the Stern Show. Brad's Big Balls is my favorite. Oh, I wish I had that here to play for you. Brad's Big Balls, Brad's Big Balls. Da, 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 da. Do I have that here? I guess not. Such a good song. Uh, Howard, um, George seriously needs to rethink this distinguished gentleman business and record all that jizz, all that jizz, <laughs> which he didn't want to do. Uh. Um, we highlighted a few of the amazing songs that George has recorded for us over the years. Who could forget the time he performed Carol of the Balls with the New York City Gay Men's Choir? I don't even remember that. Is that right? Huh. I don't see it here. Let me see if I can find it. Oh, I see. Okay, got it. How many tapes here? Here's uh here's George singing a song. I don't even remember that he recorded. I could get to it. Not so much in cock in my mouth, dick in my butt, lick on my nuts, sucking on bones through glory holes, tickle my teeth, ass is a gate. Daily we sing, wearing hot rings, don't fear the queer, Christmas is here. Rub us, tug us, suck us, fuck us, kiss us. Rub us, tug us, suck us, fuck us, kiss us. How could I forget this? I, I, I don't tuffy. know. I'm shocked. I've forgotten it too. I didn't recognize that at all. Brad's big balls, Brad's big balls, hanging in his underwear. <laughs> when they're in my face, I'll take a taste and spit out the pubic hair. Brad's big balls, Brad's big balls, smacking on my rear. Cause juicy nuts slapping on my butt makes me one happy queer. Wow. You know, um, Brad's big balls. I wish we right, could have had him do all that jizz. Because all that jizz. Well, just yeah, all right. Added Listen, guys. to the pantheon. Um, during the interview, we also heard from Fun George. Everybody loves Fun George. Uh, he was wild. He was outrageous, and he he yelled at distinguished George. He's got to be fun. <laughs> By the way, Fun George, are you there? I, I I must say, you are a big hit with the audience. Everybody loved you. Well, thank you, Howard. I had a wonderful time with no fun, George. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I, I got to say, you are a lot of fun, and you also have a husband named Brad, and uh, we had a good time with you, and the fans love you for it. Absolutely. Oh, Brad. Brad, help me. I, I'm slipping off my chair. Come prop me up, Brad. Brad. Uh, <laughs> Fun George, I'll read you a couple of comments. Fun George is incredible. I've been laughing all morning, and the combo of the bell and Brad is making me lose it. Yes, you also ring a bell to get your husband's attention. Is that correct? Yes, absolutely. Brad, where are you? Brad, he's probably cheating on me with a Snickers bar. <laughs> Brad! You know, Fun Brad. George, when you ring the bell, I have to tell you, I told this to the other George, too. 
you know, it is so it comes off as elitist, you know, to ring a bell for another human being is so crazy. It's just it's over the top. It really is because, you know, I mean, we, we don't ring bells. It's insulting, do you? don't you think? Well, Howard, I have to take Brad out for his daily exercise. It's the only way. Brad, come on, march up here. <laughs> Brad, it's by the way, your bread doesn't seem to your bread doesn't seem to respond to the bell. You've been ringing yeah. it for for days now. You know, I think I might uh, have a bell out of tune. Brad, get me a backup bell. Brad, <laughs> <laughs> Fun George was so funny. This is all about you, Fun George. Fun George was so funny. Most of the time, I couldn't even tell the difference between Fun George and the actual George. What's even funnier is the real Brad's annoyance with Fun George. Yes, I like when Brad said to Fun George, you don't even know if George, real George, is circumcised. And Robin said, yeah, what do you think? That's on IMDb? We would, none of us know that. Why would we know? Remember that, Fun George? I asked George? for my penis to be baby oiled ages ago, and Brad still hasn't done it. Brad, come on. Uh, finally, oh my God, I was on the floor laughing Wednesday morning listening to Fun George and Real George. More of that, please. The two of them need their own show. Would you be up for your own show, Fun George? Absolutely. Uh, and I know I'm very hard on Brad, but, you know, just like the Ben and Jerry's ice cream, my chubby hubby tastes delectable. And I <laughs> down him by the pint. Oh my. <laughs> Come no, here and blow you. me, Brad. <laughs> you know, you say, you say that, Fun George, but I got to tell you, you know, you do love sensuous activity. I know you love your body rubbed. I know you, your nipples are very, very sensitive. You Absolutely. You love, yes, you love to have your tits rubbed, right? Is that correct, too? Tickle my tits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right. Brad, Brad, I'm still slipping. Hurry, I'm about to autofillate myself. <laughs> fun George. Fun George, do, do you do you do you have a serious message? I mean, I love talking about listen, I love you know how pro gay rights I am and I I love when you guys come on. I think you you have a great message that love is love and and all that. But is there a serious message you want to get out? Go ahead. Well, I believe that, um, you know, the Japanese Americans now are, are getting a lot of attention that isn't the right attention. Right. And now, uh, more than ever, I think I should be singing uh, songs about uh, jism and, and anuses and bungholes. So, <laughs> right. Okay. That's for, a good without message. further ado, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, my sweet bunghole. <laughs> my sweet bunghole. My sweet bunghole. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, listen, I'll let you go. Okay. Um, um, I, right. I, I, by the way, before I let you go, let me, let me tell you, play you something from the real George, you know, during the recording session that we had with George, the real yeah. George, I mean, George got annoyed when Brad tried to ring the bell when we were recording with him. Oh. George has a specific way. I thought this was fun to listen to. Here are the guys behind the scenes and George getting annoyed when Brad tries to ring. The bell. Hi, this is George Takei. Please excuse me for a moment while I ring my husband. Oh, where's the bell? There it is. That was Brad. <clears throat> he didn't like it. Hi, this is George Takei. Please excuse me for a moment while I ring my husband. No. 
start over now. I know what George is going to do. Okay. Hi, this is George Takei. Hey. So he, what a had, he was directing <laughs> Brad yeah. uh, on yeah. bell ringing. Yes. <laughs> Brad, Brad rang himself into the doghouse on that one. It requires a lot of proper training. You know, I'm teaching a master's course soon on how to attract the same sex up a flight of stairs. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, teach us how do you ring the bell the wrong way and then uh, show us the right way. Well, the right way is banging it as aggressively as you can. You know, sort of like jacking off. Ah, 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 ah. The, the wrong way to do it is a, a, a light tap. You know, that's, that's incorrect. Right. Brad will never hear that. You've got to <laughs> pound that thing like I pound his buxom ass. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, uh, Fun George. You are a great addition to the staff, and uh, thank you for calling in, and uh, we appreciate it. Okay, Fun George, everyone. Bye, Fun George. Bye bye. <laughs> okay. <laughs> there were many more comments about Ass Napkin, Ed. The listeners are turned off by Ass Napkin. Please keep anti vax morons like Ass Napkin off the air. He's not a libertarian, he's another SSI whack pack parasite. Ass Napkin Ed isn't worthy of sucking high pitch Eric's stick, much less John McCain's. Please stop talking to this walking worm farm. My goodness. Uh, despite where he stands on political issues, uh, people to continue to be fascinated by Ass Napkin Ed's health issues. Um, Wolfie did a follow-up call with Ed and learned some new information. Ed explained he has a medical condition that requires frequent naps. Did you know this? No. Yeah, this is crazy. Um, listen to this. Here's Ass Napkin, and then I'll get right over to Seth Rogen. Um, listen to this. The reason I take a nap is because I have um, necrophilia. And what is necrophilia? <laughs> that means that just simply means that you um, can't function. That's what keeps me from being awake all the time. It's a disorder. What is the cure for necrophilia? Fall asleep? No, no. no. Did, uh, what happened? Yeah, he, uh, you can see he has a bad case of necrophilia. <laughs> By the way, the, the term is narcolepsy. I've ever, I ever heard of necrophilia. That's the worst yeah. case. <laughs> Ed has a condition called uh, narcolepsy, but he thinks he has necrophilia, which is he doesn't even have people. narcolepsy. Mm -hmm. He's just he's a drunk. <laughs> All right, you know what I got to do? I'm take get, a break. You get sleepy when you drink. I always love having Seth Rogen on, but I especially love having him today because he wrote a book that I really enjoyed, and I'm uh, happy to promote it, and it's got some great stories in it. We'll get to Seth right after these words. Thank you, George. Always good to hear George. Robin Seth's memoir yearbook officially comes out tomorrow. It's available now for pre-order wherever books are sold. I will tell you that um, Seth, uh, Seth Rogen's book is worth you getting. I... Don't say that because he's here. I've said it. Uh, I read it three weeks ago, and and I don't read a lot. But I'll tell you what, Seth, 
I read it in two days, you know, wow. and I don't read all day. I mean, I just, you know, it, it flies by and I felt like I was hanging out with you and you were That's telling nice. me about your life. You did a great, great job. I mean it. Thank you. That's exactly what I was trying to do was make it feel like I was telling you stories <laughs> in book Did form. You? So uh, I appreciate that very much. That's so nice of you. <laughs> Sometimes you buy a book by a celebrity and it doesn't sound like them. This sounded like you. Did you write the whole? In other words, there was no help from anyone. You did it yourself. Yeah, I wrote every word of the book myself. Tell. Definitely. <laughs> I could tell. I could have had help. That was an option. I didn't know that was a <laughs> Of course Did you Steve could. Martin not write that book. <laughs> Imagine you got Steve Martin to write the book. It would that would so be easy. <laughs> but, but did the quarantine help you finish the book? I've written a couple of books. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I know how difficult it is. It is a, a torturous process because you constantly reread and reread and say, why did I write that? I didn't tell it right. Yeah. In quarantine, I would think you were forced to focus on this this project. It was really helpful. I think my book is around a year and a half late <laughs> from when it was supposed <laughs> to be. Um, I remember being, I remember like being on vacation like two New Year's ago and like being like, I'm supposed to be writing this book and like just not doing it and, and try. And I was doing it. I just wasn't finishing. It was just took longer than I thought it was going to. And, and like you said, I wanted it to be good and, and I become, like I reread it over and over, like you say, and like you really just imagine the worst things people might say about you. Generally, that's how I work. Generally, um, and I then rewrite, trying to uh, circumvent people saying those things. But uh, yeah, it it took forever. It took a really long time. But then when quarant yeah, when quarantine hit, I finally had like three months. Basically, like March, April, May, June is like when I finally, like all day, every day, sat down and, and finished the book. Which did yeah, you find that the publisher? Coming. Did you find like, when I would write the book, the publisher wanted the book done. Yeah. When I signed the deal, they would say, "Take as much time as you need." Then yes. they would contact you and say, "All right, this book should come out for Christmas, so yeah. let it come out now." And they start to put this pressure on you. And, and, and then I found myself having to say, it's not good enough yet. It's not right yet. And, and you feel like you're disappointing everyone in a way when you don't have this book ready in time. Am I correct? A little bit. I think if there's one thing that I do not feel that stressed out about, it is uh, missing deadlines by truly insane amounts of time. <laughs> but Seth, <And> I probably... <laughs> but Seth, they pay you. Like, I know I got an advance to write the book. Yes. They and did. so they would be like, they'd say, look, we paid you. Come on, but get this yeah. thing done already as if you're a slacker. But it's not. There's some sort of no. process. You know what I mean? They want, I, I'm, and I'm always like, they, you paid me to write a good book, not a fast book. Like, no, right. one, uh, no one's ever read anything and been like, wow, I bet this was handed in on time. Like, that, <laughs> that, that, that's, that's, it's not, it stops being relevant, you know? Um, and so that was really, I just wanted it to be good. And with our movies, what I actually liked about writing the book is with our movies, there is so much more infrastructure. So many more people have to sign off on everything. And you have to get so many more people on board with your ideas to 
um, execute them, you know, and to bring them to life. And, and to that end, if you're, if, if there's like, if you're really late with a movie deadline, like you are not just like it affects, uh, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people, not just you and your publisher. If, if you're filming a movie and you go over, it's like a disastrous thing that literally costs hundreds of thousands of dollars a day, you know? Um, and so I actually liked the pressure that I was just disappointing like one British man who was, you know what? Um, <laughs> I get that because you made it, you know what, in all seriousness, when you write about the movie business, your experiences in the movie business, I start to realize just how complex it is because yeah. when, especially when you were talking about that whole fucking part of your life where you made this movie and of course it was famous now that North, it was about North Korea and killing Kim Jong-un and you write about just how difficult it was when yeah. that whole thing was going. I really felt for you because you write when the whole thing was going down, the studio said, look, we're nervous. We we yeah. want to get this movie out and we want you instead of blowing up Kim Jong Un's head so graphically, which is funny. Yes. We want you to just put a fire effect in front of Kim Jong Un. And I thought, how lame is that? Imagine yeah. your big joke, your big finale is blowing yeah. up Kim Jong Un's head, which would be funny. I yes. can see that being funny. It was funny. It got a yes. huge laugh. We were able to test it a few times. <laughs> <laughs> and and when I saw your disappointment in the book, you made it very clear. Like you were like we worked so hard on this movie and now everyone is such so cowardly about it. They want us to yeah. ruin the jokes. It, it must be heartbreaking. And, and it comes across in the book. It really does. It is like it's something that, yeah, like and it doesn't happen a ton. And the truth is we make movies that are specifically not incredibly expensive because of how much we are irked when people don't let us do like exactly what we want to do creatively. And I've honestly, I, I, I've like done a lot of like reflection as to like, why does it bother me so much? Cause it really does bother me. Like it, 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 and, and the, the words I can always use are just like, it's when people like fuck with our shit. Like that, that is, just yep. like for no reason I, I it's okay if we're wrong or like it, but it's always it's so arbitrary often and 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 i think that like this work does represent us and like who we are and our sensibilities and like that that's that's our goal here is that you 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 watch what we do and you you're like oh i i get i get him i get this and 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 i maybe get myself a little better ideally if we're really hitting the bullseye with some of our work and as soon as you start to change it. It's just like, why? <laughs> like, I thought the whole point of this was, was to, for us to create a thing, the thing that you wanted us to make, which is, which is our output, which is what we think is, is good. You know, you're so um, right. And as soon as they don't do that, you're like, what's the point of any of this? Why are we doing this? Why did you ask us to do this? Um, and it really is, it becomes distressing when then you feel like, you are being represented by something that is not representative of your actual tastes and, and, and what you think actually makes a good movie, you know? Um, and that was like the biggest situation I've had like that where, um, the movie just, it was mostly what we wanted it to be, but there were some key parts that were not at all what we wanted them to be, but that makes a big difference, you know? <laughs> and so I relate to that. It, yeah. It was really, it was I loved alarming. reading about and, yeah. that. Because you wrote about it so well and so succinctly that I was disappointed in myself because when I wrote about my troubles with the 